Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. I have the privilege of having uh, Glenn Dunlap here on the phone, on the phone, on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's been a while, so I'm a little rusty here. But we're excited to have Glenn on here. He is the co-founder and CEO of Peerview Data for nearly 11 years. He's also the founder and president of Big League Tours uh, for nearly 20 years. And he has had an entrepreneurship and small business management degree from from Ball State. So he has been in it for some time. (laughs) And uh, there's, there's always good wisdom that comes from that. So welcome to the show, Glenn. Thanks, Colin. I think what you're saying is I'm old. That's what you're saying? Is that, is that right? <laughs> I'm mad at it. Yeah. I'm mad at it. The fact that you haven't pivoted, you know what I'm saying? You haven't pivoted. Like, you're stayed true, you know? Like, that. there's something to that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's um when you know that it's sort of in your DNA or you're cut from that cloth or however, whatever, you know, analogy you want to use, I think that's just, uh, that's part of it. And it's... uh you know, it's really funny that my sister and my brother have had very different career paths. So it's not like it all came out of the same household. You know, they so just you know, it's just funny how, you know, different people are wired different ways. And we just um, approach all these things differently. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you got to tell me a bit about what led you to where you're at today, about the companies that you founded. Love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking about just kind of uh, you know from a from a background perspective. I mean, I think for me it started kind of at an early age, which is going to sound really kind of funny because you know my mom was a uh, school teacher, my dad was a factory worker for General Motors. Neither would you say necessarily are entrepreneurial career paths, but you know, early on, you know, my dad uh, we lived in a small town in Indiana, and my dad took me around one day. <laughs> and this uh, uh, I, I can't imagine doing this today uh, in today's environment but he took me around to the small town and he said you know uh, here's you know here's so and so's house uh, I went to school with with their daughter their son whatever and you know this is their name they haven't mowed the yard for a couple of weeks I'm, uh, come back here and talk to Wayne about this you know the next next one the next one the next one then he took me around back around to the first house and said what's their name and I said I told him the name he says yeah and he says, uh, I'll pick you up at the last house at the end of the day. So I basically, he dropped me off in my hometown, you know, at this uh, different spot with a mower and a gas can and a couple bucks to go fill up the can if I needed more gas. And I could walk into town and do that from there. And and basically, it's like, you know, you know, I was, it was, that was my day to kind of, you know, sort of get out and uh, go up to the door, tell them who I was, ask them if they needed their yard mode, tell them how much I thought it would, you know, how long it would take and how much I thought I would, uh, would be. And, and then just, you know, work that work my way around town. And, you know, uh, I did that from, you know, gosh, probably fifth or sixth grade on through, you know, to high school. And when I, when I left and went to college, I had, you know, yards that I mowed and people that I cared for and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, I just kind of look back at some of those things where it's, you know, kind of an early thing where you're like, okay, I can set my schedule. I can, I can go talk to people. I can tell them what I think it's worth and, you know, collect money and do all the things you have to do as an entrepreneur that you just, uh, you know, start to, to set out on those things. And, uh, 
Uh, so I think, I think there was some of it that was kind of early ingrained in me that, okay, this is something that I, that I want to do and, and got started in that. When I went to Ball State, honestly, I, I went, I'm a piano player. Uh, at the time when I was going through you know, high school, I, I wanted to leave and go to New York, Nashville, or LA and try to make it music business. And my parents were pretty wise. They said, yeah, that's great. You can do that, but we want you to get a four-year degree before you go. And so I went to, went to Ball State, uh, studied music and business when I was there. And had a couple of just different experiences to help shape my direction and ended up in the entrepreneurship classes and the course and uh, took the first entrepreneurship course and was just, you know, was hooked. I was like, this is, this is the path for me and studied that. And then um, it came out and started working with different uh, business owners in a consulting capacity with the Small Business Development Center in Columbus, Indiana. You know, went to work for one of my clients, came to the Small Business Development Center in Indianapolis. And then left and went to uh, a consulting company for a few years, and then started my own consulting company in 2003 with um, you know with a partner, and then um, sold it to launch uh, Peerview. So that was the path has been sort of one that uh, always working in or around entrepreneurial companies, providing them with assistance with whatever you know sort of the strengths that I brought to the table in that, you know, and that's kind of what led me to you know to hear it with Peerview. That's great. That's great. So you were in fifth grade, which means I am behind on, you know, with my son, you know, oh, tell me about as it. far as giving him his entrepreneurship spirit. So my dad would say, he's like, Hey, Hey son, my first job was when I was 11. I was cleaning fish tanks at the local, whatever, you know, kind of the, you know, so fifth grade, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and sort of unusual. But so, okay. So talk to me about peer view. What what is the problem that you guys are solving there? I would say really the the problem is is that as entrepreneurs we you know we often don't know what we don't know and uh, there are things that we you know that keep us up at night that we just would like to know answers for and I'd say the other part of it is we're really competitive that we want to know how we're doing against um, you know against our peers and what ways can we improve so th- that really the idea for Peerview came out of my consulting. Um, I was, you know, as an advisor doing work for, for firms and doing forecasts with them or helping them understand the numbers, I would get asked the question a lot of times, like, well, what do, uh, you know, how, how fast are my, do you see other companies like me growing or how much are they spending on health insurance or, um, how, how bad is their turnover or, you know, things like that. And so you would hear lots of questions about it. And, you know, uh, at, at, uh, my old firm, we had grown, to, you know, where we were serving, you know, two or 300 companies on a monthly basis. We knew kind of the ins and the outs of some of those firms, but as, you know, if I didn't have all of them as clients and didn't have my, you know, fingers on the pulse of exactly what was happening there, I would just kind of have to anecdotally think about that, you know, cause I just didn't have the data. And I kept thinking somebody needs to do a better job of pulling this information together and help us make better decisions either as an advisor or as a business owner. And that, that was really kind of the, 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 the basis for the starting point on that was like, how do we, how do we take this data and, and use it in a way that, that can help, you know, business owners make better decisions really is what the, what it came down to. So that's, that, that's really the problem we're trying to solve. And, and we, we sell to CPA firms, so we're selling through them or to, you know, to them and they use it with their clients. And so that's um, a common question that we keep asking ourselves internally is, is how do we help CPAs or accountants become better advisors? And by, you know, by working through those things with them, that really, that really is the, 
you know, the problem that we're trying to solve there. That's great. That's totally great. And so needed, right? Because I think at the end of the day, CEOs have tons of decisions that they have to make on a regular basis, but you know, they want to make the best informed decision for the organization. So peer view data provides that for them, correct? Yeah. And I think, you know, you've heard the phrases of, you know, that we're, you know, surrounded by, you know, data and, and, and starving from information uh, or insights and, or, you know, or drowning or restaurant. There's different, different form or uses of that. But I think that's really true. I mean, we're, we're generating so much data, but it's hard to filter through the noise and to understand what of this is really important to me and how do I, how do I use that? And I think, you know, I've been a big believer in benchmarks. Um, you know, that's something that, that we studied, you know, when I was, I was using back in the eighties, when I was in college, there's always been, you know, just, um, you know, where's the data coming from? How old is it? How useful is it? That kind of stuff. And so you think about like how, how banks use that. They, they have an expectation that a company, a manufacturing company is going to come to them and have a certain debt to equity ratio or liquidity ratios and that kind of stuff, current ratio, you know, quick ratios, those kinds of things. And those are, those, you know, from, um, Many years, they were really sort of stable. You didn't see many changes in it. And, uh, and yet it was still valuable to kind of see what was happening within an industry and kind of pay attention to that. I would say it's been even more critical over the last five years, let's call it. Um, 2019 was nothing like, you know, 20 wasn't like anything like 19 was. 21 wasn't like 20. And you keep, you keep going down the, the, the line there. And really 23 is shaping up to be very different than 22. Uh, and the importance of having that in, those insights and and the data just continues to 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 get you know to grow, you know you start thinking about being in uh, in a high inflation recessionary period, interest rates that have moved up and sound like they're going to stay up, uh, access to capital is decreasing, uh, supply chain issues are still high, labor issues are still high. I mean, so there's a lot of things that uh, we go into a presidential cycle. Holy crap. I mean, that's always, you know, you just get all the naysayers and, and then it just becomes self-fulfilling in a lot of ways. So you just have a lot of things to be thinking about as a business owner. And I would say the, the, the one good thing in that is, is that none of us had pandemic in our playbook for 2020 or any time. And so I think it's made all of us as business owners a little more ready to have that conversation. Those what if scenarios like what if my access to capital, like what if my line of credit gets cut in half or what if I'm told I've got to find a new bank? Could I, could I get a new bank today? Um, what would that look like? What would my interest rates be? What would the cost of that capital be? So, you know, what are my other options? You know, can I improve my, my receivables collections and inventory turns and all those kinds of things that, that I think, um, you know, just, it just sort of, you know, exposes the problem when you start thinking about those, those challenges and you, Whereas before we might've thought, nah, you know, I've been okay. I'm, you know, last five years have been fine. I'll be fine. Uh, or last 15 or 25 or whatever. And now I think everybody's kind of going, maybe I should be thinking, <laughs> you know, think those things through. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's important enough. And I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we, you know, from a problem standpoint, I think it really kind of helps to see those things and look for those, those, uh, areas that we can offer improvement and, and kind of help, help people see that. So I, I think it's, I've always thought it's important, but I've never thought it's been more important than today. That makes tons of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Makes tons of sense. You talked a little bit about kind of, you know, when you, you wanted to do piano, wanted to do music, all that type of stuff, but then parents wisely kind of shared with you, 
hey, uh, we need to get you, you need to get a four-year degree. And then you mentioned specifically your first, you know, entrepreneurship class that you had in college. Like, can you take me back there? Like, what was it about entrepreneurship that was like, um, this is me, this is what I got to do. Do you remember what kind of what it was? You know, prior to an entrepreneurship class, everything it, it seemed that school was preparing you to do was to get a job someplace and, and, and typically in a large corporation, you know, you'd read the story problems in your accounting book and it would say, let's say you're the payables clerk at Ford Motor Company. And I was like, man, I, it, you'd lost me right there. Cause I was thinking I would find the highest floor in the open. <laughs> I would not, <laughs> I would take myself. Out. I could not do that. Yes. I could not be a payables clerk. Forget it. So, um, I, I think a lot of my mindset there was I just knew that oh I don't want to be a cog in a in a large large wheel and and so I so I, I think the entrepreneurship book uh, or class I got the book I sat down with it and I kind of started turning pages and I ended up reading the textbook cover to cover in the very first night that I had it I I was like this is it I'm like yes this um. It was just, I don't know. There was something about it that I just thought it, it, finally, it just spoke to me in the sense that I'm not, it, this is, I have an opportunity to, to build something, to create something, to do something that was not just, you know, punching a time clock and doing something for always for somebody else. And <laughs> I, I love, I mean, you've seen those quotes about, you know, how entrepreneurs are the only people that are willing to work, you know, 80 hours for, for half the pay in order to avoid working 40 hours for, for somebody else for twice the pay or whatever, you know, yeah. and you're just yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I think that's true. Uh, I've, I have certainly felt that way, but I do, I think at the end of the day, there's, there's something magical about, um, having an idea and being able to uh, create it and and to deliver that and to uh, see something that's being built that that uh, you had a direct you you know you can see your involvement in that and not just uh, you know some sort of rounding error in some sort of large larger organization. So yeah, that makes tons of sense and and that's typically what we hear. To be honest, Glenn, is just like I get to make an impact the way that. I want to express myself, you know, and that's, there's something deep, I think, within kind of who we are as people to be able to express ourselves that way. And so to not to be able to do that on a regular basis, like, yeah, it it can feel completely suffocating. I remember in college and it was like, my biggest fear was being in a cubicle. Like that was by far my biggest fear is like, I am not, whatever it is that I'm going to do with my life, it is not going to be in the cubicle. Like, <laughs> no. like that is, that's pretty much what it came down to. Like, I was just like, I just can't do it. There's just no way. So no, I, I hear you. I, I think, uh, there are things that draw us in, right? It's, it's the, you know, moth to a light or kind of thing, but there are also things that repel us. And I think it's the things that, um, it's, it's those combination of things when you find, you know, the, the thing that draws you in, things that you love, things you have a passion about, you enjoy doing that people are willing to pay you for and that they have a need for all of those things. When you, when you find that, that, uh, that Boolean intersection there, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous amount of fun to, to be there. And, uh, you know, it's not that there aren't things that are challenges with it or parts that have it, that you don't really enjoy or don't like to do. But at the end of the day, when you still see the big picture, it's, it's, um, you know, that's, that's super rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. 
So when you think about kind of your evolution, you know, from a savage to a sage, as we like to call it, you know, what have been some of like professional, personal tests that you've, that have been, you know, like a good lesson or something that you've learned from along the way? Uh, You know, at this point, uh, Kyle, there've been a ton. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you think back on, on different decisions and places that you were and things that you look back and you go, boy, I would do that different. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I was, I was hired at the Indianapolis SBDC and the, the very first day on my job, my boss slid a piece of paper across the desk from me and said, here's your budget. It's okay. He said, now go raise it. And, you know, it was already January. We had no money raised for the thing. They hadn't told me that in the interview process. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those where I just kind of sat back and went, yeah, all right, no, this is going to be a super challenge. And, there are decisions that now today that I would, I, I would make in that chair much differently than I, you know, made, made then I was, mm, was 25 years younger, you know, at that time. And I, um, I just felt this tremendous amount of pressure to, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'm going to make this, you know, I'll, I'll do it and I'll keep everything the same. And just, you know, yeah, I would, I would, I would totally, totally handle that, that situation differently, but it's only because, you know, you've just, you've, you've, you know, faced those battles and those scars. And, um, I would say, you know, as, um, it, I, the, the, really, I would say the last, uh, several years, you think about 2020, 20, 2020. So you mentioned my baseball tour business. Um, it just got decimated in 2020. We had zero, uh, we couldn't, couldn't deliver anything that year because, uh, travel was shut down. No fans were allowed to go to baseball games. Um, talk about having to have some really difficult conversations and I disdain having difficult conversations. I, I just don't, um, I, you know, it's just not how I'm wired. I, I think there's a part of me that just, I don't, I don't know. There's some of it's, I think, fear about how the conversation is going to go or a dislike for difficulty. I always like for those things to be, you know, positive and you know, up and to the right. And 2020 was not that. And 2020 was, um, you know, a real challenge. It was the same for us in Peerview, you know, in 2020 when we had to, you know, go virtual and we had to make some significant changes in our, in our business model in 2020. And so to, to work with the team to make those changes and to, you know, to work through that you know, to work through things with our customers and, you know, that kind of stuff. It was, I think those are, those are things. And I, I think, the, I think the one fallacy that is, you know, um, presented about, about difficult conversations is that once you have them, that, that, um, that it's resolved. And that's not true. You know, there's um, difficult conversations oftentimes start <laughs> the, <laughs> a, a process of, of um, resolution that does not, often doesn't finish uh, that. And I think that's the part that I struggle with the most is that I, I want things to be started and finished and be able to resolve those things in, in a positive way. And that just, it doesn't happen that way. And so it's been, it's been kind of working through some of those things. And I think I've been getting, you know, sharpened or however you want to sharpen and saw through that process. It's just been um, tough. I, I still don't like them, but I, I'm uh, much more willing to sort of step into them and have them. I think the other thing that's really hard for me, uh, has been hard for me for about difficult conversations is that even though you may be ready and willing to step through a difficult conversation, the other person, the receiving person, or the other person that you're having a conversation with may not be ready. 
they may not handle it well. And that may be part of the conflict that just continues on. And I think the other part of that is just being willing to accept that, um, you know, I can't control that. And, you know, I, you just have to be as open and honest and uh, addressing those things. I guess I'm confessing an awful lot to you right here, Kyle. <laughs> but I, think I actually really appreciate the vulnerability. This is great. Well, I think I think that's something that that I struggle with is vulnerability in the sense that I I feel like um, I don't know why I felt this way, but I think that I, I think the, the I I had the impression that there were good feelings and bad feelings. The the, the good feelings you were supposed to feel, and the bad feelings you were supposed to suppress. <laughs> And, and that's, uh, that's not a, that's not a, a formula for success. Um, and so, you know, kind of working through some of those things, that's something that's also, uh, been an interesting thing to say, okay, you know, em- embrace that. Why am I feeling that? What's, what's that telling me and how do I use that and moving forward in that? And that's something that I think I'll be working on the rest of my life, you know? So, oh yeah. I mean, I'll totally confess like I love the good feelings, right? So yeah, I don't want to have the, I don't want to have the feelings where it's like, oh, this hurts, or this is how I really feel about this, like similar conditioning to potentially you. And I and at least know for my parents, like those types of things was like keep under wrap, you know, like that was kind of like at home, kind of the deal. And so like, thankfully, like I've learned that like that's, you don't have to live in that spectrum. You can have, you know, a rough day and you can have a good day. And that's just part of being, you know, in a sense, but I think sometimes, you know, under stress, my default will be to kind of just, you know, put on the smile and let's not think about the other I mean, stuff, I'm, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's tough. It's, I mean, there are things and there are events in our lives that, that will, will encourage us to behave uh, a certain way. There are probably things that happen in each of our lives that, that, that force us to, you know, to, to look at those things, whether it's, you know, good feelings, bad feelings, or, you know, looking at the difference between honesty, transparency, and vulnerability. Those are three dramatically different things. You want everybody to be honest with you and you want to be honest with everybody, but you're likely not going to be transparent or, or vulnerable with everybody. And that's, that's, you know, that's a challenge too, to be thinking those things through. It's, but, you know, with your team, with, um, with, uh, investors, with customers, I mean, we, we've, you know, you've seen it, we've done it, we've, where you, there's a public persona, hey, things are great, things are, you know, and then, then you get behind closed doors, and you're like, ah, you're on fire, you know, I've got to solve this problem, like, yeah, you know, it's a challenge, I mean, those are things that are, that are tough, you know, and you're trying to, um, you, as an entrepreneur, you've, you're figuring out how to hold all those things together, you don't always have the answers to everything, and, and yet you're required to... <laughs> Yes, in some ways yeah. appear you do and yet you know if you just if every day you uh you told your customers or your team or your investors or your family that that i really don't know how th- this is going to work <laughs> you know I, I haven't there's this big problem and i haven't solved it yet or you know any if you were that uh vulnerable with everybody you know <laughs> you would have you would have a team of zero and uh you'd have no business and you would have you know i mean it's, it's tough i mean it's you know walking that line of of uh you know, of working through those things. Cause it's, there's a lot of times when you're like, okay, I'm still, you know, solving this Rubik's cube and, and I, I trust that there's an answer here. I don't know what it is yet. Um, but I'm, I'm working through that. And that's something that's, you know, kind of, kind of understanding where you are in that cycle on trying to figure those things out is, uh, is, you know, I think that's one of the toughest things as an entrepreneur, because 
a lot of times it's a, it's a lonely spot, right? You know, you don't feel like you can be completely vulnerable with everybody about every situation or anybody about any situation. (laughs) And it's, uh, that, that's a, that's a hard thing. I think you take a, take a lot of that on as an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's really good. I, I appreciate your honesty there because I think in some regards, you know, just with previous uh, conversations that I've had with folks on the podcast, I don't think many people would, you know, honestly maybe share that. And so, but I do think it's really, really true. I was just, I put together a networking uh, get together here yesterday. And one of the comments uh, at that group was, hey, love the group, but keep it at a CEO level, mainly because it's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. And so keep it at a level where people can actually be nurtured, you know, in a sense. And so I think what you're saying just kind of, you know, illuminates that a bit. So, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's something that whether you, whether things are great and you're growing, you know, great guns and you're off the charts or you're, you know, you're struggling to hit those things. Well, it, they're, they're challenges at, at every point along that continuum, if you will, that, you know, whether it's finding the right people or the amount of capital that you need to grow or the, you know, whatever it is. And I think we all wrestle with those things. I, I'll tell you a big motivator for, for launching this was when I was in a, a consulting in 2008, 2009, 2010. So we had you know, the housing crisis and the the capital crisis that came along with that and the economy was down. Yeah. Another um, presidential election cycle. Um, There's just so many things that were happening at that time. And one of the things that was really kind of an eye opener for me was, was that we we're doing the financials for all of these companies. And uh, there were a lot of phrases back then and that flats the new up 20% downs, the new flat, you know, Working, working harder and smarter with less to show for it. All these kinds of phrases that were being just thrown around that you would hear at events and cocktail parties or, you know, whatever. You would hear people say it that you would go, I, you're killing it. Like, you, you know, I know your numbers. I know you're killing it. And then you'd hear other people that would say, you know, they're doing fine when they were not doing fine. And, and I just thought, you know, that's, that's really hard as an entrepreneur to know, like, Am I, am I not, you know, it's kind of back when you think about like when all of your buddies say that they're not going to do their homework and you're the only idiot that does shows up and didn't do their homework. Everybody else did, you know, you're like, what? Like, you know, I, uh, you know, and I think it's kind of that way sometimes in business, you're like, um, you know, no, I'm not going to do that again, but I also don't know, you know, like the score. So, and, and I think that's part of that loneliness. I think that I have felt that also, you know, helps to, to answer those things like to know, like, is it really are other people growing at 4% or are they growing at 8% or, you know, and where, where should I find, you know, how can I find my eight or 10% in that? And I, we, we just had, we had clients that said, uh, yeah, okay, it's a recession. I'm not going to participate in it. I'm, I'm going to kill it. Like I've always killed it and I'm just going to do it. And they didn't accept, you know, that, so, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's part of, um, I, maybe it's my insecurities that have kind of helped me to, uh, to build this, to, to help other people with those as well. And to, to help them to see really what's going on because I, in, in some ways, you know, feel from an entrepreneurship standpoint, just how lonely it can be and how, how desperate we are for, for insights and information. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Two questions left before we kind of, uh, wrap up here. One of the things is, is that, you know, we've talked about this a lot, loneliness at the top, but specifically kind of like practical ways that you fuel yourself as a leader and an entrepreneur. Like, you know, 
We know that burnout's really high that, you know, for all intents and purposes, founders, CEOs will go through a level of burnout, mainly because the demands are so high, you know, like there's an intensity uh, to kind of what's required of the position. But is there practical ways that you kind of step into, hey, this is how I care for myself um, so that I can best care for the business? Um, yeah, you know, I would say, and and it sort of varies for me in terms of seasons and and you know what uh, what I've done in that. But uh, you know, I do. Sit, uh, there are times when I sense that you know, okay, I've been burning the candle at both ends, and I need to do something here to to kind of back out of this. But um, I'm, I try to be more intentional these days about um, you know about getting some exercise in. And that might be just as simple as walking my dog for a mile or two or something like that. But just to, to do some things like that, that give me, um, you know, a chance to get up, clear my mind, get some, get some sunlight, that sort of thing. I think for me, uh, you know, so exercise, um, I've never, I didn't, I didn't value rest as much when I was uh, younger. I value rest more now and, and see, you know, how that can, can really, you know, a good night's sleep can really change your, your, the, the productivity in the day. I really, I, I'm a, I just view myself as a lifelong learner. I, do, I love to, to take in new things. And so, you know, whether it's, um, you know, books and reading or listening to books, podcasts, uh, you know, taking new things, because I think, uh, and, and, you know, it can be a perspective that's outside of software as a service companies or accounting industry stuff or those kinds of things. It's, uh, when you just listen to, you know, a diff- just get a different perspective and and have a, a new, you know, new thing to bring to the to the table. I think those are those are great. So I think that really helps in terms of burnout when you get inspired by you know something that's outside the business. You know, so I think those are those are really key. And I, and I think relationships, I think, would be the other thing. You know, as you're working through these things, that if you can, if you have the ability to sort of you know. I don't necessarily think compartmentalize is the right word, but I think just to be able to, uh, to set something aside for a bit and to, to, to make a connection and to be present, uh, in that and to focus on that. I think those are, those are all things that have helped. Um, and those, and think about that in a minute, uh, for a minute, I think those, the relationships are the thing that we really struggled with over the last few years, right. With, you know, being isolated and, and, uh, working from, uh, from home or anywhere, those are some of the things that, that when you are relational, um, those are very difficult to, you know, to give up. Uh, those are the things that you, you know, miss. And so that's when that's something that really helps you get through that's been tough. But I think, uh, you know, thank God we've been able to get out and, uh, you know, socialize and have those relationships and travel again and be back in front of customers and, you know, do all of those things that, that kind of help with that. So, Probably the things that have helped helped me the most is uh, you know to to refire and to refocus and to you know and to you know keep uh, keep going. Uh, what are the, what's the the old phrase that you know sometimes the best way out is through, yeah, <laughs> you know, or the only way through. And so that's the other part is you just have to look at. And I get Kyle. I, I would say that's the other thing. You know, so far I have survived every you know one hundred percent of my bad days. <laughs> And so, okay, uh, even if it's a bad day, I'm going to, you know, chances are I'm going to survive. And, uh, you know, and, and no matter what you're going through, whether it's, you know, burnout or anything else, it's, it's likely a season. And th- I think that's the other thing is you kind of look back, you know, at, at 54, I can look backwards and say, okay, I, I get it. There are, you know, peaks and valleys and there are seasons, there are tough times and, and there are things that you can kind of look through and go, you yeah, know, all right, this isn't, 
this isn't permanent. This isn't personal. This isn't, you know, those are the things that you just kind of look at and go, it's a season. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the way that I feel today is not how I'll likely feel tomorrow or next week or whatever. So, uh, anytime I'm feeling those things, it's like, yeah, just, just, uh, take that into perspective. Yeah. I mean, and, and just in general, like the entrepreneurship venue is such a roller coaster in itself. You know what I'm saying? Like the amount that you have to kind of the highs and the lows and like self-regulate through all of that, like that's, that's like a full-time job, you know, like just to kind of, if I want to be transparent here, it's just like, okay, you know, you know, huge high here. And then in in a second later, you got to go, you know, to a completely different situation that demands something completely different of you. Um, And, you know, your transition time is about a minute and a half. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's so true. I think what you're saying is absolutely true. And I think that maybe it's because of the working from home and where you're not in touch with a lot of people personally uh, for a while, I think maybe it exacerbated those things where it made it everything was seemed higher and lower than normal and uh, that you couldn't sort of put those things, you couldn't sort of regulate those things. Because I think a lot of times we would probably have been able to come out to a coffee pot or a water cooler or something and just kind of gone, man, that was, that was, I just had the worst call, you know, with so-and-so or this, you know, kind of working through those things. And <laughs> my wife and kids didn't want to hear that stuff. Uh, so it was, I think that, you know, those things can kind of be there, but I think, I think too, it has felt, um, you know, much higher and much lower over the last uh, few years. And, uh, some of my musical friends, we've talked about how in, in music there, you know, you, there's a, you use a compressor so that it kind of reduces the peaks and the valleys and, and, um, when you're, when you're releasing music and recording and, and putting it out, um, just because, you know, you can't, you don't want things peaking and you don't want things falling out. Uh, it sort of has felt like we've needed that for our emotions that <laughs> we, need, we need to compress, bring the lows up, bring the highs down and sort of stay a little more even keel. And that's probably, uh, the incorrect thing to do. We probably need to feel the highs and feel the lows, but, um, but I think that overall it is kind of fun. And, and like you're saying, a minute and a half, sometimes it's been simultaneous. I've, I had, I've been on you know, with, uh, uh, calls that have been super positive and see calls coming in that I know are going to be super negative And you just go, yeah, I can't even enjoy this, this, this super positive moment right now. Cause the, the super negative one is, is right. I, I can just see it happening right now. And so, uh, I, I think that's also kind of, you know, uh, you, you just know those things are coming and, uh, that's been kind of a <laughs> tough thing too, but it's, uh, you know, such is life, I guess. So that's great. Well, last question before we uh, um, ask you specifically if people want to connect with you. But if if you were to say somebody that's interested in entrepreneurship, you know, kind of like what advice would you give them if they're kind of starting out? You know, would be like one or two pieces of advice that you would give them. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Is uh, something I think that um, you know, keeping in mind. There's a book that I read that I I just also felt um, it's called the messy middle. And I'm going to. I think Scott Belsky was the author of that. And he sold his business to Adobe, and and uh, but I think one of the things he talks about in there is that we celebrate startups and we celebrate massive exits. Uh, and for the majority of us, we're we're living in the messy middle, and uh, and there are also some horrific crashes too. Uh, so you, when you look at um, the startup, is is um, you know can be fun. 
exciting. The eventual exit, you know, you know, potentially could be fun. Uh, but, but that, that messy middle is really where it's hard. It's where, it's where you're making those, those decisions that, you know, sometimes are just not super fun. It's not necessarily creative or whatever. It's um, just things you have to do. So I, I just be prepared for that. You know, the startup is, is, is fun and sexy, but the middle is messy. Um, I think the other thing I've come to realize uh, more and more these last few years, you know, while as an entrepreneur, this may be, and I, I fully believe that this was what I was called to do. And so I'm living, you know, every day, I feel like I'm living the entrepreneurial dream. Uh, the challenge is, is that not everybody around you has that same dream. So this could be the entrepreneurial nightmare for them. Uh, so I would say, you know, having some very real conversations with, with your spouse, with your kids, with uh, family and, you know, just being prepared for that. You know, what happens if, you know, these things are, you know, don't go according to, to plan and, uh, are we prepared for this and how, how far, how deep, how, you know, whatever, whatever those conversations are. And God forbid you have to go through those tough times, but chances are as an entrepreneur, there are going to be times when it's really tough or really lean and, uh, everybody else you're getting everybody else paid except for yourself or, you know, whatever those things are that, um, you know, are, are real challenges that, you know, from time to time that, or for a long period of time, uh, can be the case. And so I think, I think just, you know, being honest and assess those things and having those difficult conversations <laughs> that nobody likes to have those, what if scenarios and, and, and prepare for those things that can be, you know, super helpful for, you know, for the thoughts of, you know, where, where's this going or, you know, how do we go through this together and how do we do this in a way that, you know, is, uh, is healthy for, for everybody that's involved because we're in it every day. We see the path forward. We see the options. We, whether we know the exact, you know, steps or the path, we, we at least see the, you know, where we're, where we're going. And, uh, you know, people that are peripherally involved in that don't always see that, don't always know that. And that can be a, a real challenge. So, um, you know, I'm speaking to that from, from experiences, especially as we, you know, these last few years have, have been anything but what we would have planned for. Those are times when you're having to really dig deep and assess those things. So, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for that. And I really appreciate that. I think that's really good sage advice. So thank you for sharing that. If people wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? Um, you know, LinkedIn is, uh, you know, I'm uh, on LinkedIn. That's a great place to, uh, to hit me there. I, I would say that's there. If you go to, um, uh, to the, to uh, contact information's on there or to, to big league you can find us on there as well. So, um, you know, those are probably the easiest ways to, to, to get in touch with me. Awesome. Glenn, thank you so much for this time. Thanks for your transparency. Um, I really, really appreciate it. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.